He is. Hallowed be your name. I don't know about you, I think we can end right there and go home and be truly inspired. But I'm not done. We really need to know His names. You know, I've been doing a little series with my city group leaders, the men. We meet once a month at Pluckers. It's our time to get together, get a little Pluckers. And I'm sharing a series on the six practices of ministry that Jesus exemplified in the Gospels. And this, this last Tuesday, I shared one with them that Jesus is a leader in the practice of worship. Now, when we first hear that, you might think, okay, if we talk about prayer, then yes, Jesus definitely was an example of prayer. But worship? I mean, outside of one occurrence that's recorded in two separate Gospels, but it's the same occurrence where he's saying a hymn before he went to Gethsemane, that's the only place we ever see Jesus singing. See, I think our problem is, is when we think of worship, we honestly only think of our modern expression of it. Believe it or not, our type of worship that is experienced in the last 200 years of Christianity was not the original form of worship for the church. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong. The Bible doesn't prohibit it. It actually says, sing a new song. I think the Spirit moves through history and gives us more and new and, and, and vital expressions of worship. But when Jesus is an example of worship, we have to remember the context that He was the leader in. See, to Jesus' context, worship had everything to do with the temple. All the rites, all the rituals, all the celebrations, all the festivals, that was worship. You went to the temple to worship God. It originally it started with altars with Abraham. Came to the tabernacle with the tent as they went through the desert. Eventually the temple was built. But when Jesus came, He was about to change everything. As you study the Gospels, you know Jesus had kind of a hidden miss relationship with the temple. There are times that He was there and it was great and He would heal people and He would teach and people were impressed. But there are other times He cleared it out and the Pharisees confronted Him. Jesus is trying to help us worship. So how did He teach? How was Jesus the foundation of worship? Because outside of that one hymn recorded in two Gospels, I don't ever remember Jesus singing. Because worship is so much more than that. Here's the two areas, and I'll show them to you, that Jesus taught His disciples how to worship. Number one, He teaches them to pray. The Lord's Prayer. And He teaches them to remember. We, we don't realize how radical the Lord's Supper is. He basically has just replaced everything that was connected to the temple, all the sacrifice, the blood, the, the offering, the, the, the bread, all that He says, you don't need that anymore. I am the temple. I am the one through whom and whom you worship. Remember me. Since we've already focused on remembering me, and I thought Bill did an excellent job, and even applied a passage I'm applying here. We didn't talk with each other, so I just that's I love how the Spirit works. Amen. So I want to focus on the area of leading in worship in prayer. Now you may think, well, no, prayer is not. Yes, it is. Both the Lord's Supper and the Lord's Prayer are both prayer and worship. Because think when you when you're when you're remembering the Lord, you're remembering to whom you're singing or praising. Prayer is no different. When you are praying, you're praying to whom? To God. 
There's a worship element involved. But a lot of us, our prayers aren't worship. And there's a reason. See, in the same way that Bill just warned us that we need to examine ourselves before taking the Lord's Supper. Here's the passage again, just to remind us. 1 Corinthians 11, 28, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ and drink judgment on themselves. So in the Lord's Supper we're remembering, but the goal is, if we're not discerning Christ in it, then we have not had true worship in it. Same is true with prayer. If we're not discerning whom we're praying to while we're praying, have we not just done the same thing? So how do we prepare ourselves in prayer? Well, it's very interesting because the Lord's Prayer is only recorded in two places in the Gospels. Okay? The one that we most know is Luke 11, 1 through 4. We, we all know that one, probably could quote it. But the other account is in Matthew 6. And what I love about Matthew 6 is I think he addresses this issue. Before we pray, before we, we focus on how we pray, we've got to examine ourselves. We've got to remember who we're praying to and what interferes with that. Because see, when he taught them in Matthew, the account in Matthew, how to pray, it was in context of a larger discussion. It wasn't just a separate thing that one day he pulled out, oh, by the way, guys, here's how you pray. It was in a discussion that was already taking place. So let's examine that. How do we examine our hearts before we pray to whom we pray? Matthew 6, verse 1 through 8. It says, be careful. It means you've got to pay attention right here. You don't want to miss this. Missing this has consequences. If you're not careful, you can be hurt. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love praise, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Before Jesus ever taught them how to pray, He answered the more important question. Who are you praying to? Where is your focus in that prayer? Are you discerning the God you're praying to or you focus more on you or how your concerned people focus on you? That's what the whole thing was about. He's not condemning giving or praying. He's condemning the practice of doing these where the focus is us and not God. 
They wanted to be seen or they were concerned of how they were perceived when they did these righteous things. And before you judge them, are we really any different? You know, the word that he uses to describe this is hypocrite. Now, unfortunately, we don't understand hypocrite in the context Jesus was using it. We've got to remember that hypocrite is actually a Greek word, and it refers to, and remember, the New Testament was in Greek culture. This, this is where it came. The word in Greek for hypocrite means play actor. You're faking it. You're acting as though you're doing it, but you're not really doing it. You're giving, but you're not really giving. You're praying, but you're not really praying. You're singing, but you're not really singing. You just want to appear as though you're praying, giving, or singing. So here's the question. If you pray differently when you're with others than when you pray at home alone with God, you're a hypocrite. Right? Because why do you change if you're with others? Who are you actually focused on if you're changing? You're focused on you or how you want people to perceive you rather on whom you need to be focused. This is a problem we have in worship in churches all the time. Well, I don't like that kind of worship. I like this kind. I don't like, I don't like we need to change that or I'm leaving. And we're so focused on how to worship, we forget who we worship. Who is always more important than the how? In priority. It's not saying how is not important, but is not a first priority. Who are we praying to? I find it interesting that he realized, God understands that we have this tendency to focus on ourselves, even with righteous things. And so what he says is like, if if you're going to actually discern me, examine yourself before you pray to me, I need to remove you from those things that tempt you to do that. Go where no one will see you. Because I want it just to be about you and me. Only then does He now tell them how to pray. And what's funny is He now shifts from you doing it alone in your room to now doing it in community. See, because He understood if you didn't get your focus on Him first, when you come into community, He'll focus on you. How am I looking? How am I perceived? Is my prayer as good as His? Oh, I better pray that. We all do it. How many of you have been in a group prayer? You don't even hear anyone else praying because you're thinking the whole time how you're going to pray. I've done I'm guilty as charged. That's something wrong in that. There's something wrong in that because what someone's praying next to you may be exactly what God needs you to hear. But we're not focused on God. Right? So now he goes and teaches them how to pray. But the who is of utmost importance, which is why we need to know whom we're praying to. Let's look at the actual prayer. Verse 9. This then... So it's, it's understanding that with what he just said, get the focus off yourself or how you want people to see you and remember me. This then... So because of that, this is how you should pray. And notice now the entire prayer is in the plural. Isn't that interesting? How often I've thought, especially growing up Catholic, Lord's Prayer, it's not, a per, it's not an individual thing. You have actually, if you're not praying with others as this recommends, you're not, command, you're not obeying the command of the Lord's Prayer. It's plural. It's meant to be done in the community after you get the focus off yourself. So that together we view God. 
Look what it says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That name has a lot of names, as we just saw. Right? But when you pray, do you even hollow His name? Or say, hey, Father, God, I really need this, I need that, I need... We just disobeyed the Lord's command on how to pray. It should begin with Him. Our Father in heaven. He's saying where you pray is important. I'm not saying where location, where your heart is. You need to remember where you are in this prayer chain. He's in heaven, you're below. You have to have your heart in the right position, just like with communion. You need to remember where He is. So you remember where you need to be and where He calls you to be. Hallowed be your name. If you don't know His name, how can you hallow Him? Right? Now, Jesus gave us a name to encompass all names with Father. That's a beautiful thing. That's a radical thing, actually, to a Jew. But He has other names. Names are important. Are they not? For example, my name. Derek. There's meaning behind that name. You want to know what it is? And I didn't come up with this, okay? You can look it up. Ruler of the people. That's what my name means, okay? But I have other names, right? You have names. You've got middle names. You know, when you hear the middle name, you know you're in trouble. Derek Cordell, I'm in trouble. But we have nicknames too, right? But if you don't know me, telling you that nickname makes no sense in the world. Okay, here's one of my nicknames. Tweety Bird. You're like, what? Because you don't know me, you don't have a relationship with me from when that name was given, you have no idea what that name means. But I'll tell you, for the sake of curiosity. I was born a little Buddha. I was chubby. Chubby cheeks, chubby stomach, and this nose. I had to grow into it. So I had this beak, and so I looked like Tweety Bird. That became my nickname. Okay, I'm dead. you can ask my mom, dead serious. She's the one who gave it to me. See, so I have other names that also describe me. Just as God has many names that can give us a new insight into who He is and how He interacts with us. I have another name. Stretch. You're like, what, you're like flexible? Well, I am, which is a good thing, but no. So that's not what it means. Stretch was a name my dad gave me. Because unfortunately, as a child, I was short for a long time. Like, I, I was a late bloomer. It just I was just short. And then all of a sudden, I just stretched. Not super clumsy. I know I'm not super tall, but taller than the short I was. Okay? So he called me Stretch. That, man, what happened? You stretched. If you don't know me, that name really means nothing. See, if you don't know God, then these names, they don't mean anything. we got to know them. Now, I have other names. I can't share some of those. Well, I'll share one. Babe. She called me that. We weren't even dating yet. It was on accident. You're like, hey, babe. I'm like, yes, honey. I just went with it. And then part of me is like, I like the sound of that. I'd like to have her say that more permanently. Right? We have names. They have meaning. God's is no different. Hallowed be your name. So, so far, is the focus on who? God. Let's go on. Your kingdom come. Who's the focus? God. God. Your will be done. Who's focus? 
Have we even gotten to us yet? Nope. On earth as it is in heaven. If we're not starting with Him, the who, the how is really not going to make much of a difference in your life. But if you remember the who, when we get to the how part, where we actually get to talk about us, you'll believe that He can do it way more. What's the first thing about us? Give us, here's the trick, today our daily bread. It does not say, give me next week, give me tomorrow, give me in a month, give me in a year. He says, I only want you to focus on your need today. Why? Because the minute we go beyond a day, usually the focus gets back on us. Does it not? It's about what we want, our will, our kingdom. So he's like, I'm, I'm trying to prevent that. I just want you to pray about what you need today. Who's done that? Where the only thing you pray about is what you need today. It will revolutionize your walk with God. Just ask Him what you need today. Which you can't do if you haven't evaluated yourself. If you don't know where you stand in position to the God you're praying to. And if you're not praying with others, you may not see it either. There's something about being in community with prayer. It reveals things to you. It's not even just this, hey bro, you need to... It's, I hear someone else's prayer and I'm like, man, I'm not praying like that. I'm not that soft in my heart. There's some genuine relationship right there. I want to be more like that. But you know, he prayed about his family. You know, in fact, every time we pray, he prays about his family. Man, I haven't really been doing that. Praying in community, we then know what is the need today. I was super encouraged by a brother in Russia that he said he just started praying, God, give me someone today to share the gospel with. I'm not asking about tomorrow. I'm not going to next week. Just today. And suddenly, every day, people just started showing up. It was the, he has incredible stories and people that have been coming out as a result of it. And I was like, I'm, I need to start doing that. Well, today. Why do I need to pray about today? Later on in the same passage, what's he say? A day has enough trouble of its own. Do not worry about it. Pray today. And forgive us our debts. Now, that obviously can refer to our collective individual sins, but it also could address our community sins. Forgive us our debts. Otherwise, it'd say, forgive me my debts and the debts of my brother and sister. It doesn't say that. It says, forgive our debts. In other words, because we're in community, your sin, I am responsible for. Not in the cause of it, not in the one that receives the consequence of it, but because we're in community, I'm concerned about you. God, forgive us our debts. I'm going to take ownership in this. And guys, we have some community debts that we need to address. Tardiness. Guys, it was so sparse in here. I went to the back. And I, already, I lost count after about 30 people that were already 20 minutes late. And this isn't just today, guys. This is a repetitive sin. It's a community sin. It's disrespect. To those who come here very early to have a service ready for you, and I'm not even talking about the disrespect toward God, you wouldn't do that to the new movie that came out. These are communities. God, forgive us. Another one is cleanliness. Guys, we right now have a, a, a temporary ban on any drinks coming in this auditorium because we left it a mess. There's over a, a bag full of trash that we have left under these tables. This is not our place. And if it was, we should keep it clean. Because this is a community sin. 
If you brought it in, you take it out. If it spills, you clean it up. Duh! But because we're community, even if I didn't bring it in, or I didn't spill it and I see it, I'm going to take responsibility for it. I want you to take a look around, and if there's stuff there, do not let it stay there when you leave. Because these are community. Forgive us our debts, our community sins, and forgive our debtors. Sometimes we're sinned against as a whole community. Persecution, stuff written about us in, in paper or news, right? We have to forgive that. So we see this plurality, but the focus is God. But there's one other element here that is truly amazing. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. When you've sinned, and you know, it's, it's not like one of those, oh, I think I sinned, I'm not sure I sinned. Did I sin? But like, oh man, I blew it. I sinned. I'm not feeling good. I don't feel like it. Do you, do you ever feel like you can go pray at that moment? Right. Like, man, I can't pray. Man, I have to like first like beat myself or something. I got to confess to someone. I've got to like show repentance. And is there some kind of punishment? Some somewhere I pay? It's like we have this whole thing. Like I can't pray until this thing's dealt with. Why? Notice the order Jesus said of how to pray. Asking forgiveness is at the end, not at the beginning. Right. He doesn't go, okay, this is how you pray, guys. Because you're such wretches, you better make sure you ask forgiveness first. He didn't do that. And here's why. Because you don't remember who you're praying to and that it's His kingdom and His will and He has the power, you won't believe He can forgive you. You won't believe He's gracious. You won't believe He's compassionate. You won't believe He's just that He will deal with you if you don't repent. I want to encourage you that when you're in that place where you feel like, I just can't pray, I'm in sin... I want you to just go ahead and obey. I want you to start praying and praising His name. God, I blew it, but God, You are glorious. You are just. I know that's why I'm feeling guilt, because I know You take this serious. But God, I also know You are gracious, You're merciful, You're compassionate, that You want the best for me. And God, really, the reality why I'm feeling I'm in sin is because I chose my kingdom and my will. God, help me to do Your will. What is Your will for my life, God? And as you pray through those things, when it comes to the point, so God... Man, I'm feeling awesome about you, and man, you are gracious, but you do take my sin here. God, please forgive me. Now you believe it. Now you feel it. And now you're prepared for the next battle. Right? So even when you feel like, I can't go pray, I'm, just do it anyway. Trust me, I've tried it. It works. It works. But the thing I want to focus on most is this aspect of hollowed be. Your name. This is why we need to know His name. All the names. So I'd like to close with a passage that, quite by coincidence, a psalm of David. How cool is that? The little theme of David we had today. We didn't talk to each other. It's Holy Spirit. But it's a psalm we all know. And it's really a prayer. And it's worship. But here's the thing that's going to blow you away. If you break that psalm down, kind of statement by statement, each statement is actually a definition for one of the names of God. You ready? Here we go. Psalm 23.1 The Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Rochi The Lord my shepherd. I lack Nothing. Jehovah Jireh. 
the Lord will provide. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. What do you feel when you hear that? Peace, right? Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. He refreshes my soul. He revitalizes me. He heals my soul. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord who heals. He guides me along the right paths, or other translations, the paths of righteousness. For His name's sake. Jehovah The Lord our righteousness. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Where it is dark, where no one can see me, you can see me. El Roy, the God who sees me in my misery. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint, you sanctify my head with oil. My cup overflows. Jehovah Mekadishkem. The Lord who sanctifies. And six, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. A house that had no beginning and no ending, that just always existed, that always is, always will be, forever. Yahweh, the self existent one. Though it didn't use the names, Every statement is a definition of the names of God. How cool is that? Does it surprise you? David was known as a man after God's own heart. I believe he knew the names of God. And as he said that prayer, he was recalling each and every name. Because every name gave him another attribute, another characteristic of the God to whom he prayed. So guys, we need to know to whom we're praying. But to truly know Him, we need to know His name. So over the next several weeks, we're going to focus in on some names of God. Then we can truly worship together. Hallowed be Your name.